This is Steve Thompson, and today we'll be finishing the rest of chapter 39 of Exodus. So let's see if Bezalel and Oholiab and crew can seal the deal on all of this work they're doing on the tabernacle. Bezalel made the robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue woven cloth with an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it. The opening was reinforced with a woven collar so it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attached them to the hem of the robe. They also made bells of pure gold and placed them between the pomegranates along the hem of the robe. With the bells and pomegranates alternating all around the hem, this robe was to be worn whenever the priest ministered before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made tunics for Aaron and his sons from fine linen cloth. The turban and the special head coverings were made of fine linen, and the undergarments were also made of finely woven linen. The sashes were made of finely woven linen and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Finally, they made the sacred medallion, the badge of holiness, of pure gold. They engraved it like a seal with these words, Holy to the Lord. They attached the medallion with a blue cord to Aaron's turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so, at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses, and they brought the entire tabernacle to Moses. The sacred tent with all its furnishings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the tent coverings of tanned ram skins and fine goatskin leather, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the Ark of the Covenant and its carrying poles, the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, the table and all its utensils, the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its symmetrical lamp cups, all its accessories, and the olive oil for lighting, the gold altar, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the sacred tent, the bronze altar, the bronze grating and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the ropes and tent pegs, all the furnishings to be used in worship at the tabernacle, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. So, the people of Israel followed all of the Lord's instructions to Moses. Then Moses inspected all their work. When he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them. We've already stated throughout these last remaining chapters that obedience is the main factor driving this report out of how all the furnishings are being constructed especially since they had such a dramatic fail with the golden calf ordeal, they really needed this win. They really needed to follow through on what they were told to do. So I'm trying to assess this with myself. Am I following through on what God has asked me to do? We continually ask this question, especially throughout these devotionals, by saying, what is God saying to us and what are we going to do about it? So... Have you followed through with any of the promptings that you've received in this series? For me, it's a mixed bag. Right now, our house is for sale, 
And honestly, this was an obedient step for our family. None of us want to move. We love our house and the location. But God's been very clearly speaking to our hearts about pruning back, simplifying, and experiencing an exodus of our own. So our house is listed. So that's a win. But now we're worried about it. Well, I've been worried about it. I mean, you hear stories of how houses are selling within 24 hours of being listed. It seems like houses are being sold within days at the very least. So why has ours been on the market for a couple weeks already? I know, that's a crazy statement in and of itself if you're familiar with real estate at all. The, that fast turnaround is an exception. It's not a rule that one should base one's expectations on. And yet, here I am. And yes, if you're wondering about what we've been doing, we've been making adjustments to make the sale more appealing. We've been asking for input. I don't think that's the issue. <laughs> the issue is in my heart. I'm worrying about why, and I'm worrying about the timing. I'm having a hard time trying not to continually use my time and energy figuring out how to get our house sold. I mean, honestly, there's no hurry. We're staying in the area. There's no time crunch. It's probably even better for our family if our house doesn't sell and we don't have to move until closer to the end of the school year anyway. So why am I losing sleep trying to solve problems that realistically I can't solve? That's like the opposite of trust, isn't it? And because I'm spending time doing that, I'm also not spending time doing some other things that would be productive, building time into my family, following through on some other responsibilities. And that's where I'm disobeying. That's where I'm not following through. How about you? Can you relate to any of that? It's funny. Not only is God using Exodus to keep this in front of me, um, I'm also constantly reminded every time I ask for and expect obedience from my kids. We've tried to train our kids to always respond to us with a yes dad or a yes mom, and they can always follow that up with a but may I if they need to have a discussion about it. But there's got to be that yes dad in front of it or there's not going to be any discussion on it. So, for example, here's how this would play out. Hey, would you please take out the garbage? Yes, Dad, but may I finish this video game I'm playing that doesn't have a pause on it, and my friends would kill me if I abandoned them right now. Uh, and then I say, mm, okay, just don't forget. Grumble, 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 stinking video games, grumble, grumble. So that's somewhat of how it would go down. We, we want to know as parents that there's an automatic bent of the will to obey. And then there needs to be follow-through, because if there's no follow-through, then obedience hasn't happened. There was just good intentions. And evidently, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's not in the Bible, mind you. It's just an expression that we've all heard. But if you'll bear with me, that's one more of the things that I'm learning. God has been patiently helping me with follow-through my entire life. <laughs> But what I've discovered is that this obedience factor is built into life and relationships and how things go. 
Jesus tells a story of how a man goes away on an extended trip, and he entrusts his wealth and estate to three of his servants, but in different proportions. So two of the servants, who were entrusted with more, do well with what's given to them, and they even yield a return on the master's investments. The third one basically buries it to keep it safe and squanders the opportunity. So when the master comes back, he says, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If we can't obediently follow through when the stakes are low, there's no way we'll be entrusted when the stakes are high. God wants to do greater and greater things in and through us, but when we refuse to obey, we're basically cutting off that process from even happening. God can't give us more. We haven't done what he's already asked us to do. We're stuck. And he's not going to keep entrusting us with responsibilities or privileges if we have a history of not following through. I mean, we wouldn't do that as parents, right? We wouldn't even do that with friends. We might still love hanging out with them, but we're not going to ask them to watch our house while we're gone if they don't follow through. So I'm back to my question. I know where God is asking me to obey and to follow through and what he's asked me several times to do. How about you? What's God been patiently nudging you on? Or what in your life do you know doesn't square with what God has already made plain? And he's asking you to give it up or turn away from it or turn to something else. Where are we needing to follow through and simply say, yes, dad, and immediately obey? Lord, forgive us for being stubborn kids who are more fixated with our toys and our friends and the things that we're playing with than the things that you've asked us to do. And in your mercy, Would you remind us again what you're calling us to? Remind us again of the stakes if we don't. Remind us again of the tremendous blessings when we do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.